Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're heard in over 60 countries around the world. And we're proud to be the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And today we're broadcasting from a very hot Los Angeles. Now, on this program, we love entrepreneurs. You know, entrepreneurs, people who are creative and who make something happen out of nothing. This show is all about being an entrepreneur and having enough guts to break out of the routine Put it all on the line and do something that you really enjoy doing. Now, speaking of entrepreneurs, last week I celebrated my birthday with friends in Williams Lake in Canada. And I've got to say the Canadians were most gracious and put on this great rodeo stampede for me while I was there. Very nice of them. I had a fantastic time with Kerry, Ian and Sally Mewitt. And uh, they started off as friends of mine, about 12 clients of mine, actually, about 12 years ago, when we met in a bar, slightly worse for wear, at about 1 o'clock in the morning, and Ian hired me to speak at a conference for Compass Pools. I followed that presentation with several other conferences for them, and we got to be really good friends. Incidentally, Compass Pools are sensational. When I had a pool... I used to hate cleaning the bloody thing. It was a pain in the ass. But compass pools have got that licked. They have self-cleaning pools. How cool is that? <laughs> now, in, um, in Canada, we stayed at the fabulous lakeside home of Penny Hutchinson, who owns a business called Worth Every Penny, another great entrepreneur. And that, and worth every penny, sells an eclectic variety of collectibles, much of which is produced by Indian First Nations in Canada. So, fabulous house, great friends, lots of eating, drinking and laughing. It was one of my great birthdays and it's great to be able to share a week with true entrepreneurs. So, thanks guys for everything. Now, if you happen to be feeling especially tired today, it's because today is a second longer than any other day in history prior to today. This is thanks to the leap second, which was added to all our clocks today to compensate for the gradual slowing in the Earth's rotation. You probably, as you were walking down the street, didn't notice that slowing, but it's happening Now, today, you've actually got 86,401 seconds in the day instead of 86,400 seconds. So what are you going to do with all of that extra time? I bet you hadn't thought about it. So I'm going to give you a hint. Go out, go kick the shit out of the world for that extra second. You'll be pleased you did. And you never know just what you might accomplish. Now, no one's predicting that this year's leap second is going to cause a, te- a tech apocalypse. <laughs> Some of these words are hard. Like they did 15 years ago with Y2K. 
but there's a chance that the leap second could crash a number of websites, could even delay some flights. <laughs> but the bloody flights are delayed anyway, so how would you know? So take notice of that extra second. As you probably know if you listen to this program, I was born in Australia and I moved to the US 27 years ago and I absolutely love it here. I'm also thrilled because my wife Margie received a green card yesterday, so no more hassles with immigration and that's great. For those of you who don't live in the United States, it's probably difficult for you to really understand how incredible the opportunities in this country really are. For example, the startup business here is extraordinary. Listen to this for a number. One in eight US adults launched a business last year. Record amounts of venture capital is going into an increasing number of startups. Both Silicon Valley and Los Angeles are in the top three technology centers in the world, with Tel Aviv in second place. And the great thing about the US is if you ask any US business person for help, they'll actually go out of their way to assist you. And that's unusual in any other developed economy. Now, Los Angeles has got groups like Metal, which consists of over 1,600 of the leading media, entertainment and technology alpha leaders in the country. And they get together for four-hour update of the latest in developments and change every single Saturday. So you get a whole theatre full of the leaders in media, entertainment and technology who give up every Saturday morning and then back it up again with a three-hour hike on Sunday. Now, this is all about networking. It's an incredible place to network and do business. Where else in the world could you get people to meet every Saturday for four hours or five hours to do business? This country's got such an incredible financial engine that enables it to leave the wor- lead the world. When it comes to patents, the US has more than 15 times the number of patents registered each year than any other country. And the newest news to be saluted is that BCG, which is the Boston Consultancy, estimates the average cost to manufacture goods in the US is now only 5% higher than China and is 10 to 20% lower than in most European economies. And even more striking, BCG projects that by 2018, only three years from now, it will be 3% cheaper to make goods in America than in China. So that's incredible. And part of this reason uh, for this narrowing gap is that wages have been rising in China and American companies have been boosting their productivity faster than their international competitors. And US, in, indust- <laughs> US industrial electricity prices are now 30% to 50% lower than in most other countries. And a 5% price discrepancy in manufacturing between China and the US it doesn't amount to much when you consider that US manufacturers face the, rich, the, the risk of delays when they ship to China or from China. 
the threat of port strikes, local investments and partnerships that Beijing often requires of foreign companies doing business there. So the U.S. is right up there. And the U.S. has got pretty much full, uh, full employment. So this is a remarkable engine and a phenomenal place to do business. Now, I don't know if you uh, have seen many drones around it, but it's estimated that somewhere between 750,000 and a million drones will be sold this year. A million drones. That's a lot. And I don't know whether you've had drones buzzing around your backyard or overhead while you're walking down the street, but they can be bloody annoying. And even though I'm totally against guns, I often think it would be fun to go to my local Big Five and buy a Kalishnikov and blow the bloody things out of the sky. It's got to be more fun than shooting skeets. But as fun as shooting down a neighbour's drone might sound, it's actually illegal. Eric Joe, a resident of Modesto, California, successfully sued his neighbour for shooting down his drone while it was flying over his family residence. Uh, Joe attempted to peacefully resolve the matter between the two, but they wouldn't settle, so he eventually filed a lawsuit after his neighbour refused to buy him a new drone. <laughs> Although it's not the first time a drone has been shot down, the federal government's yet to uh, charge anybody. However, the agency has classified drones as aircraft, which means they're under the same restrictions as other aircraft, and shooting one down is a federal felony. So that's interesting. Now, if you're like me, you get sick to death of having to buy a bundle of programs from your cable company, the majority of which you never bloody well watch. About the first 20 channels that I have to subscribe to to get the programs I want, they're all Spanish-speaking, and I don't speak Spanish. And I don't watch them, and I don't watch the sports channels that I get because all of the big events that I want to watch are all on free-to-air. They're all on NBC or CBS or ABC. So it's high time that we can select our channels a la carte. Now, speaking of sport, which I just was... The USA and Canada women's soccer semi-final, 0-0, just after halftime. So, come on, girls. Let's bring this home. If they win this, they, I reckon they can win the whole shebang. Now, in the US, people are watching less TV as they increasingly stream video from Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and a couple of others. So the companies that for years have made money through TV subscriptions are battling over the pipes that you depend on for streaming video. Traditional TV subscriptions are on the decline. The US pay TV industry lost 31,000 subscribers in the first quarter of the year, and that marked the first time the industry lost subscribers during what is usually, usually a pretty strong period. So people are watching less live TV, ratings are down. I think the total viewing audience of TV now at peak time um, at night is about 47 million. Now, when you think there's 350 million people here, that's not that many. 
Because Americans are tired of paying for expensive cable bundles that comes with hundreds of channels that you bloody well just don't watch. And so many streaming services are offering on-demand programming anytime, anywhere, and on any device. You know, the average American family watches just 17 channels, and we have to subscribe to hundreds of the bloody things. It is beyond ridiculous. As a result, an increasing number of Americans are cutting the cord or even choosing not even to put cable into their new homes. Now, while TV subscriptions are declining, cable broadband internet is booming. During the first quarter of the year, the same three-month period that saw the decline in TV subscriptions, for 17 largest cable countries in the country, which make up 94% of the market, added 1.2 million broadband subscribers. So why is this? Because providing internet is a higher margin business than providing TV. So either way, they get to fuck us one way or another. That's what it boils down to. Now, internet providers have costs. They've got to pay employees and pay to maintain networks, etc. But the big money goes out to networks like ESPN, TNT and the Disney channels. And these programming costs are the main reason that your cable bill goes up every year. And high-speed inlet is even less competitive than TV, if that's possible to imagine. And that really sucks. Now, last week I mentioned the American Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management. I joined about 20 years ago, and it's really assisted me with my business, providing me heaps and heaps of information and references, and I've networked with a inc- lot of really incredible people. So I'm proud to be a member of America's premier training organization. Now, the primary aim of the Institute is to raise the standard and proficiency of individuals and companies within what are the most important disciplines of business, sales, marketing, and management. So if you're a company director, a manager, or an executive, join the Institute with the goal, people and company, growth and success. So you're, if you're interested in becoming a member, go to AISMM.us, that's AISMMUS.us, which is American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management.us. And I forgot to mention that I've just been made honorary president of the American organization, which is fantastic. And it's a long way from being a humble member, well, maybe not so humble, but a humble member just 20 years ago. Now, after the break, I get to chat with a really interesting guy who has got a bloody sensational idea, and I am going to join this one. And uh, Ken Dunn. He's the creator, creator of a new platform called Reader's Legacy, an author of four books and the founder and publisher at Next Century Publishing, which has been described by Publishers Weekly as being one of the fastest growing hybrid book publishing companies in the United States. Ken is leading the charge in changing the way people write, read, and experience books. So don't miss this interview. It is great. The idea is fantastic, deserves to be a huge success. It's only been on the market a couple of weeks, and it is going gangbusters. So if you're into books, 
have a listen to this interview. I'm Bob Pritchard. This is Voice America Business Channel, and I'll be back with Ken Dunn right after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's interesting business people. What they do and what makes them tick. You know, it's very difficult to create a successful business and we all need all the help we can get. And that's why it's so important to have people listen to interviews, have mentors, people who have been through it before who can give you advice to save you making some of the same mistakes that a lot of us have made before. Now, Ken Dunn is not only the creator of a new platform, Reader's Legacy, He's also the author of four books and the founder and publisher at Next Century Publishing. And Next Century Publishing has been described by Publishers Weekly as being one of the fastest growing hybrid book publishing companies in the US. I'm not quite sure what that means, but we'll find out in a minute. Ken is currently leading the charge in changing the way that people write, read and experience books. During his 14 years in, as an investigative and tactical policing, Ken was always starting businesses. So he's a born entrepreneur. In 2001, he started KPLJ Investments Mortgage Origination, and the business grew rapidly due to his groundbreaking direct selling techniques, which ultimately led to Ken leaving law enforcement. He wanted to develop more entrepreneurial businesses, so he sold KPLJ in 2005. In the past decade, he's traveled to 40 different countries, building sales organizations and teaching leadership. Now, these successes led Ken to join the publishing industry. The publishing industry to me has always been confusing. I've had five books by three different publishers, and uh, it's, it's a difficult. I'm actually representing a couple of books um, by authors at the moment, and it's it's a hard road to hoe, so this this will be interesting. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, Bob. Great to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Beautiful day in Southern California, as always. But um, 
Okay, we heard you started a new social media platform. Now, that's got to be a real buzz. But before we get into what made you do it, can you just explain to us the premise of Reader's Legacy? Yeah, I'd love to. Reader's Legacy is a very deep and passionate project for me. Uh, As you said in the introduction, and thanks for it, you're very gracious. Uh, I've been in the book business for a decade, and my life exists because of books. When I was 29 years old, I was a a police detective, and it sounded fancy, but I was flat broke. And I wanted to start a business that could make me some money, so I went to a friend and asked him about um, what I should do, and he gave me a book, I read it, I experienced some really great ideals from it, and the rest is history. But what I realized, Bob, is that with the virtualization of the publishing industry, everything is going digital. Digital books, digital programs, digital entrances. I mean, you see it happening. Sure. I realized that everybody seemed to be missing what I consider to be the most important part uh, of the whole book world. Because I I covet my books. I I adore them. I only read physical books. And I, I realized that if that happens, that more books in the future were digital than not, mm. then people were going to lose that intimate experience, that relationship they have with their personal book collection. Sure. And I said, to heck with that, I'm going to fix it. So we created Reader's Legacy. Three years of development, $2 million, it's built on the exact same platform as Amazon and Facebook. And it's a social media site that gives readers a chance to create a free account and, and then on that page, they can recreate a virtual version of their personal book collection or their home library. Okay. And it's really fun and easy. You, you click the add a book button and you add books or you use the smartphone and you scan the barcode. Okay. Simple enough. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not as if um, the world's short of social media. So what made you decide that you can compete against, you know, some of the most powerful media companies in the world? They're all in social media now, aren't they? How do you get- yeah, they are. You know, I, I, I didn't really see myself as competing with them. What I wanted to do was help a very specific group of people that are near and dear to my heart, and that's the people who love books, avid readers and authors. And so our social media platform is, is very, very different than, say, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. First of all, uh, our social media platform is actually the world's second largest bookstore. Wow. So when I decided I was going to do all of this, I wanted to sell as many books as Amazon. So I went out and I figured out how Amazon sells books. I cut the same deals with the same distributors. And so when we launched this two and a half weeks ago, we launched with 15 million books for sale. Wow. And then I said, well, if, if, if you and I love books and we connect with each other, I'm going to see books in your library that I want, so I'm going to want to buy them. So then I had to figure out, how can I get somebody to want to buy a book from me rather than Amazon? And it was really simple. First, my books are cheaper. So the, we sell all of the books that are in the world. The, the minute a new book launches, we're selling it. But we're selling 10 to 15% cheaper than Amazon. Right. Now, that's not it. In addition to that, we created an affinity program. Uh, affinity programs are points programs. You know, I, I fly on Delta because yep. of points. I stay at Marriott because of points. Yep. At readerslegacy.com, we have litcoins. Litcoins are a virtual currency. They're points that you get for socially engaging. So following people, liking posts, making comments. You get points for all of this, litcoins, that then you can turn around and use to buy real books. Okay. What... 
What's to stop Amazon coming out and taking you on head on if you start to sell a lot of books? What's your protection against something like that happening? Well, first of all, I don't think Amazon would try and hurt us. What they'll probably do is try and buy us. I would, um, I would, that I would agree look, with that. Look like us. Anything that's ever looked like us in the last eight years has been gobbled up by Amazon. And if, if we were blessed to have Amazon come along and say, we'd like to acquire you, then we'd look very seriously at that. <laughs> I can understand why. Um, so how long have you been working on this project? Eight years, do you say? I've been in the publishing industry for eight years, and, and I knew that building this platform, we would end up having the largest network of authors in the world, and so we had to make sure that we knew what we were doing in publishing, because that business will grow drastically. I first had the idea to build this website five years ago, and we've spent the last three years building it. We have 11 people at our IT center in Panama City, Panama, that work full-time on the project. Wow. So, how'd you come up with a name? Reader's Legacy. Wow, if you really think about it, for me, I've, I've read over a thousand books on business, on leadership, on personal development and inspiration. Right. And those books have helped me to do everything I've done in my life. I've traveled in 50 countries. I've sold, I've written five books. I've sold 250,000 copies of those books. And, and it's all because of the books I've read. Right. My book collection is in my will. My kids have very specific things they have to do to preserve those books before they get any part of their inheritance because the way I see it, those books are part of my legacy. Right. And for, and for anybody who loves books, they feel the same way. So the personal book collection of anybody truly is a reader's legacy. Are these books um, business books mainly or were they all sorts of books? I mean your personal oh, it's collection. Every book. Oh, I, I, so I read a lot of business, a lot of uh, self-help, uh, a lot of personal development and leadership books, but I also read fiction, biographies, and uh, you name it. I've gotten some really incredible insights out of fiction books. Right. So that, how relevant are most of the, you know, I've got, as you can imagine, I've got cupboards full of business books as well. I, I don't know how many I've got, but a hell of a lot. And... Uh, I've read bits of most of them. I don't. I don't sort of take business books and read them from cover to cover. I just take out the bits that I want. But um, how relevant are they going to be when your you know business is changing so rapidly? Um, I re I released a pretty comprehensive business book about three years ago, and it's amazing how much of that right now is just totally out of date. I mean, but, but somebody young, some 23 or 24-year-old just out of college is going to read my last business book, which at, a, at the time was a big deal, um, and say, ho-hum, what the hell is this? Well, I think that there are going to be nuggets in your books that are eternal, and because there are things about business that change, because obviously in business, you're either growing through innovation or dying through complacency. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's always going to be a changing world and an advancing world, but the core fundamentals for running a business are going to be consistent. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be nuggets that are going to make people read your books forever, as long as the world knows about them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, things advance and change at the same time. I mean, I still recommend to thousands of people to read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah, I, there I are better, too, and, more, more yeah. powerful updates of that book. Yeah, and Napoleon um, Carnegie as well. I mean, there are a couple of gems. And but if you if you have a read of something like um, Ogilvy, 
I mean, while it was the Bible for marketing and advertising back in the day, very little of that today is applicable to anything. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's interesting. So when you first started planning Reader's Legacy, what was the initial feedback from people that you shared your idea with? Were, were people sort of negative on it because they thought, you know, it's too close to Amazon, you know, they're going to take you on? Did you um, did you get good feedback? Did and mm-hmm. did you get specific feedback oh. from anybody in particular that um, spurred you on to say, "Well, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to take on these giants." Well, so uh, knowing what your show is about, Bob, and knowing who you are, I believe you already know the answer to that question. But thanks for I asking. Actually, it. I actually of do. Course <laughs> I, <laughs> I, of course, I got horrifically terrible feedback in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. 90% of the people that I went to said, it'll never work, don't bother, don't waste your money, there's too many of those types of things already, yeah. forget it, it's stupid. Yep. But, I, but I went to experts that were in the publishing industry and talked to them about it, and I went to one man named Joe Wickert, who is probably one of the most well-known names in the modern publishing industry, He puts on events called Tools of Change that the entire industry supports. Yes. And when Joe saw my original pictures, he said, Ken, this is amazing. I hope you pull it off. He said, Reader's Legacy is to Goodreads as Facebook was to MySpace. Right. And he he said, you need to do this. And so that's what I've learned in my life. The masses are always going to be negative on it. Go to an expert that understands the space that you're talking about and see what they say. I think that's great advice because most entrepreneurs that are listening to this show, um, when they either began their project or now that they're thinking about beginning a project, always start off with so much negative energy. And, um, you know, the, the, I think the need is to have enough confidence in yourself and enough surround yourself with enough experts so that you can break through that negativity and just if you believe in it if you are confident that it's right if you've got people um, telling you that you know now's the time to do it get off your ass go out and do it because you'll regret it forever if you don't absolutely so what kind of work goes into starting a new media social media platform must be must be daunting when you first sit down um, day one and go, geez, where do I start? Well, so a lot of research goes into the beginning of it. You know, before, there's an old saying, I, I've been successful in a couple of businesses and probably the biggest lesson I've learned is planning. If you yes. fail to plan, you plan to fail. Absolutely. And then after planning becomes validation. You need to validate. Once you have a proper business plan built, which should be 40 or 50 pages long, full of technical data, insights, history, yep. competitive factors, as you know. Yep. Then after planning comes validation. Validation is where you take it out to experts and get their opinions. Once validation has occurred, then there's financing. Then you have to do your dollar cost analysis and find out how much it's going to cost to do this. And then you do your competitive analysis, where I went out and saw what Facebook was doing, Twitter was doing, and Amazon were doing. Yep. And, and Bob, that's when I went, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine. It, because, you know, there's a lot of people building social media sites, and most of them are built on a replicating system called Ning, N-I-N-G dot yep. com. Yep. And they give you this little out-of-the-box thing you can do and you can call yourself a social media site, but there's nothing proprietary about it and it's very limited functionality. 
If I was going to build a world caliber site, I know that I needed to go hire experts, architects, programmers, and Java experts. Yes. And I needed to build the whole website on a platform called Python. And and we went to do that. That we've our programmers. We've got fourteen people now. I actually opened up an office in Panama City, Panama. So I had to figure out how exactly an American company can can own a Panamanian company. Yeah. Had to change the type of incorporation I had, and um, we went down there because Dell and IBM went down there. So yeah. half the prices and all the IT talent was down there. And, those guys have been working for me for three years, and they've written over a million lines of code. Wow! Yeah, it's um, and that's a good lesson for um, entrepreneurs too. That uh, in many cases, it's advisable to take part or all of what you do offshore. But um, we just we just went through an exercise in Latin America with um, with a couple of projects, and uh, you've really got to do your homework because you can get screwed big time if you don't. Right. So, what benefits will Rea's legacy provide to the users? Who is the typical user? Is it just somebody who's interested in reading, or is it somebody who is a wannabe author, or is it somebody who is an author? Reader's legacy is designed for anybody who's in books, who loves books or works with books. Every person in the world who loves books can create a page and click the add a book button and type in the title of a book or, and just start adding the books they've read to their library. Or they can go to somebody like me. If they like business books or leadership or personal development or nonfiction, they can find me, they can follow me, and then they can go to my library. And when they see books they've read, they open it up and they just click add to my library. Right. And they can build a whole virtual version of their library. Now, Bob, that's important at so many different levels. Think about this. Imagine six generations from now, some kid that's a direct descendant of you learns about great, 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 great granddad Bob Pritchard and says, man, I'd like to be like him. I wonder what books he read. Now they can go to your Reader's Legacy Library and, and learn who you were from the books you've read generations later. So that's one benefit. The other cool. benefit is, listen, this is a social world now, Bob. We, yep. we don't just expect to have a, a purchasing experience. We expect to have a socially engaging personal experience. Yep. Now you can connect with readers all over the world who love the same books you do. Once you're a member, you can click the create a virtual book club button. You can start your own book club online within the system. You can name the book, name the group, and then you can invite people all over the world who love the same book that you do and you can read a book together with them in a, in a private page. And here's the best part. For all of these things I've said, for any time you click a button while you're in readerslegacy.com, you get badges. So it's a big game. Right. And every time you get a badge, you earn Litcoin credits. That Litcoins are real money in that system. Right. Okay. Well, that, that's an incentive. That's a fantastic incentive because people, you know, I fly United and I fly United all the time. And sometimes I look at the meals and I think, why am I doing this? But the reason I'm doing it is because um, I've flown so many miles that I've only got to drive past the airport to get points and I want to use them. <laughs> so that's I exactly stay. right. Now, how stupid am I? Now, this gives you an indication of my level of intelligence. Yep. Um, so, what makes you different than Goodreads, for example? 
Goodreads is a, a place where people can leave comments about books and can have some books that they've read connected to them. But it's not a Facebook experience. It's not a socially engaging experience. People don't spend hours there at a time. Readerslegacy.com, that's, Joe Rickert said the most amazing thing, and I've used it so many times. He said, Reader's Legacy is to Goodreads as Facebook was to MySpace. Yeah. So Goodreads is obviously a great idea. Yeah, it is. But imagine, imagine making Goodreads so that the average people, not just people that want to review books, but people just want to hang out there because they love books. And it's not just that. Every author in the world can build a page and can build a following, just like yep. on a Facebook page. But for authors, we're going to give them access to their entire list. So if you end up having a page there, Bob, and you have 5,000 people following you on your Reader's Legacy Authors page, if you want to download the list into an Excel spreadsheet and export it, we're going to let you do that. If you want to sell them things on your website, host webinars, sell other products, we're going to let you do that. If you have other products you sell, we're going to let you link a store right to our website, your website page. So you have complete control of your community. No other social media channel will give you that much freedom with your list. That's fantastic. You've just, you've just talked me into um, to joining up. Seriously, you have. Um, I... Uh I love the idea, and I think that um, it is it is a great way to build um, a following and the right kind of following, the the, the sort of following that um, that you can relate to readily. So yeah, you've got, they, you've got you're, me. You're you've convinced me. People who love books. Yeah, you've convinced me. I'm well, but, I, I'm in there. So was there any wow, point? Fantastic. Well, make sure you make sure you follow me, and I'll do the same, and we'll uh, we'll go out and build our book friendship together in readerslegacy.com. Okay, I, I will. Now, at, at the point where you finished your business plan and you've come up with the cost of setting this thing up, and it's always more frightening than you wanted it to be if you've done it properly. Um, how did did you need to raise money, or did you? How did you go about um, getting investors, or what was that process? Oh, yes, we definitely needed to raise money. And we were actually in a, in a if you go to fundable.com forward slash readers dash legacy, you'll see that we're, we're in a second round where we're raising $2 million as we speak. Our first round, we, we raised $1.5 million. Right. And we raised it from friends and family. Okay. Which is typically how your first round always goes. Certainly um, is. We did it for a couple of things. You know, we wanted to share the wealth of it. We needed more capital. And, uh, and it was absolutely necessary. And then beyond, after this round is over, we'll probably raise $10 million in the next round. Right. You need money to grow a business, that's for sure. Yep. So, friends and family, um, do you just call people up and knock on doors? I mean, a lot of people that are, um, are trying to raise from friends and family are terrified that they're going to fail and, you know, all their friends and family aren't going to talk to them anymore. Um you were just so confident in, in your product that you um, um, that didn't concern you? If somebody in business who's an entrepreneur, a founder, is afraid that they're going to fail, then they ought not to start. Yep, I, I, I couldn't agree with you To be you successful in a business, to be successful in a business, you need to have an, an unshakable belief in what you're doing and that the world needs what you're doing. And, and it's that unshakable belief, that resonance in your voice, that confidence 
that is created in that belief, that is what your, your investors are going to buy into. Yep. See, an average investor doesn't invest in your product. They invest in the founder. Yes, I agree with that. No question. Yeah, I, I've had um, a couple of good friends of mine who are um, VCs, and they say that um, uh, until they actually look into the eyes of the um, uh, entrepreneurs and feel the commitment, then they ain't going to invest no matter what the idea is. So was there any Absolutely. point... Was there any point along this journey where you thought, Jesus this isn't going to happen? Did you have, ever have a, a, a point where um, it all seemed like it was too hard and going to get away from you? No, there was never a point where I thought that. There were, there were many points, however, uh, Bob, where I said, I got down on my knees and I said, please, Lord, help me with this. There right. were many times where I picked up the telephone and, and reached out to a mentor and said, yeah, I'm really struggling with this point. I got. I need some help to figure out how to get through this point. Which, which is another real true differentiator, but between a successful founder and one that's not, the successful founder will will fight through any complication or difficulty and win. Yeah, I agree. So, um, going back to family and friends from it, you're looking for one and a half million. That's a fair ask of family and friends, unless you live in Beverly Hills. Um, how long did that take you? Uh, that actually took me about eight months. And I probably talked to over a hundred people. I talked to every single person I knew, family and otherwise. And um, we had a proper business plan, a proper presentation. I probably jumped on an airplane 30 or 40 times to sit down face to face with somebody. Yep. And 95% of the people said no to me. Yep. Well, that's, that's not unusual. I'm used to that. Um, so what is, um, what's your ultimate goal and vision for Reader's Legacy? Is it, um, is it ultimately to get a, um, a trade sale in the three years or something? Reader's Legacy, without a doubt, now that we've launched it, Bob, we've been live for two weeks. Right. And we've had over 2,000 people create accounts. Wow. And we've had those 2,000 people add over 80,000 books to their personal libraries. Wow. And we're already selling dozens of books every day. New books are being launched into the market by publishers, and we're seeing people buying those books from our website on the day of launch, which means we're already diverting traffic from Amazon. That's great. It's, It's amazing to be at this stage to, to see that vision coming true and, and knowing that it was all worth it. But it also, you know, as the founder and CEO, I'm, I, my, my responsibility is to keep our current shareholders happy and raise more capital. Sure. And so I'm continuing to raise money. It would be a blessing if Amazon or Facebook or a major publisher like Hachette came along and wanted to acquire the majority of the stock of the company and was willing to pay what it was worth. Yep. But I will still, I will always be at the helm of this company because this is my legacy. I, I want my children to run this company one day. Right. And as you know, in, in, in conventional business, even if another competitor or a big company like Amazon came along and acquired our company, typically they acquire the founder as well. Yeah, and that's the founder right. continues to run that subsidiary. So yeah. I, I, I will be at the helm of Reader's Legacy for the rest of my life. And we will turn, we spent 
days in a retreat with my key stakeholders, and we decided that our mission was to change the way people write, read, and experience books. You'll see Reader's Legacy evolve over the years. It will eventually have a writing community in it where people who are writing books can crowd write books, right. meaning at, they write it right in Reader's Legacy and they get feedback from their fans as they're writing. Yep. You'll Good see idea. the publisher's pages the publisher's pages will all have submission forms on their pages, so a publisher can market themselves in the system to authors when they're accepting submissions. You'll see editors eventually will be allowed to have pages, and we're going to turn the editing process of books into a reverse auction so that self-published authors can find the best quality editors. We have so many things planned for the next five years for this website. It will become the number one space in the world for publishers, authors, and avid readers to be together. Okay. Um, Ken Dunn is, from what I've read, a serial entrepreneur. Um, serial entrepreneurs ultimately get itchy feet. I'm not sure whether that's the right expression, but, you know, um, and want to go on and create something new. Is this So this is your pinnacle of your entrepreneur career is that right is that what you're saying oh yeah so yeah I'll, I'll i'll be completely focused on reader's legacy for the rest of my life now does that mean i won't have any other interests no sure. it, it sure. doesn't i i i'm principal owner of a watch company in america and i have real estate investments and and i do some other things on the side but those are all very passive roles i have in those opportunities and Reader's Legacy is what I plan to do for the rest of my life. Okay. So how did you get um, Ingram and Baker and Taylor, you know, two of the largest book distributors in the world, uh, to, to partner with you? You know, they must get contacted by everybody in their dog spot. So what made you stand out so that they said, okay, we'll do a deal with this guy? I think it was because I had my ducks in a row. I had a proper business plan written they saw that I knew what I was talking about. I think I was doggedly determined to get an appointment with the right person. And I flew down to their headquarters without an appointment and told them I was going to wait there until I got a chance to talk to them. My first trip, I only got a chance to talk to them for 10 minutes, but then I had to come back. Yeah. And while I was with them, I was respectful and I shared my vision with them. And because they knew I knew I was talking about, they bought into me just the same as an investor would. They believed that it would become what I said, and they wanted to be a part of it. Great. Ken, thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Uh, if you'd like to know more about Ken Dunn and Reader's Legacy, go to readerslegacy.com. I know I'm going to. I'm totally sold. And as a, I've only had five books, and I'm probably up around the 200,000 sales altogether. And, uh, but I'm in. I think it's... A fantastic idea. So, Ken, thanks very much. You'll be hearing from me imminently. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
for listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And just in one minute to go in the World Cup semi-final USA Germany, and the USA is 2-0. So we go straight into the World Cup Women's Final. Fantastic. Um, some people attribute success to working hard. Others say they're simply lucky. But the reality is that... Um, Success can be often achieved simply by changing your perspective. You know, we hear that every cloud has a silver lining, but when you're really up against it, silver linings can be pretty hard to find. So take a moment, look at your challenges, your roadblocks, your barriers, you know, everything you face on a daily basis, and see them for what they really are, blessings. And while some people are successful because they're given special opportunities, usually the difference in long-term success and failure lies in what we do when we're faced with adversity and misfortune and insurmountable challenges. You know, everybody faces the same difficulties. Successful people just find ways to stay positive, to keep working and eventually overcome what to others is insurmountable. I'm, I'm constantly surprised by people who, when faced with an obstacle, become negative and depressed. And once this happens, you are screwed. Failure is guaranteed. And if you're one of those people, you need to change perspective on a number of fronts and you need to do it now. The first thing you need to change is your attitude to failure. For most of us, failure isn't the end of the world. It's just a slight hiccup. Maybe it's a roadblock. Maybe it is the end of an idea or a dream. But when we, can, when we fail, we can move on to something else, hopefully a little bit wiser and a lot more likely to succeed. There's no question that failure sucks. But never being able to take a chance on your skills, your experience, never being an entrepreneur is much, much worse. You know, at least if you fail, you fail on your own terms. There's a lot of people never get a chance to, never try to. The second thing you need to change is your attitude to criticism. You know, people only criticism when criticize you when they care. So while people still care about you or your business, you've got the opportunity to do something better, do something differently, to change their minds. Apathy is much, much worse. The third thing you need to change is dwelling on unhappiness. Some people make a living out of it. When you're sad, that means you care. And caring is the mother of changing things for the better. Apathy, again, is worse. Don't dwell in unhappiness. Use it as fuel to make your life better. If there's one thing that absolutely will not do you any good, it's being envious of another person or their achievements or what they might possess. Too many people spend so much time dwelling on what other people might have that if they got off their asses, they would be able to achieve the same. Now, think of people that um, have earned your trust and esteem. Be thankful that these people are part of your life. Don't just be privately thankful. Go out and tell them how you feel. That'll make them grateful that they know people like you. 
The fifth thing you need to change in order to be more successful is the way you look at making decisions. You might have millions of options and potential choices, both business and personal, and for many people that causes stress and they get overwhelmed, they can't make any decisions, and they fall on their ass. So you need to flip that attitude around. Imagine how it would feel to have few or maybe no options. Wouldn't that be much worse? So you should be thankful you've got options. Think carefully, weigh up the pros and cons, think about the long-term effects, and then make the right decision. The sixth thing you need to change in order to be more successful is to create challenge, like choosing to work incredibly hard or to push through a mental or a physical barrier or make sacrifices for the good of the people who rely on you. When you struggle and fight and endure, you not only stretch the limits of what you believe you're capable of, but you'll build a new level of confidence that you can only find when you get rid of all the crap that you've got surrounding you. And usually this turns out to be most of what you worry about. I've always adopted the philosophy that I only worry about things that I can personally affect. Things that I've got no control over and I can't do anything about, I don't worry about it. Except occasionally in, um, in politics. I sometimes worry about stuff I can't do anything about because it bugs me. <laughs> but struggling and facing challenges helps you learn who you really are and who you want to be. So it's important to face challenges. The seventh thing you need to do in order to be more successful is to be patient. Remaining patient, it's not fun. Nobody likes being too patient, do we? Most of us are a little bit impatient. But having to wait can be a good thing. For example, research shows us that where vacations are concerned, the biggest boost in happiness comes from planning the vacation. And this vacation anticipation boosts happiness for about eight weeks. So just thinking about and anticipating what you're going to do makes you happy. Then when you're on vacation, that's okay. Now, after the vacation, it only takes a couple of days for your happiness level to drop back to where it was before you went anywhere. So the people who went on vacation are no happier than the people who didn't. So be thankful that you need to wait, especially if it's for something that you really want. The anticipation alone is worth waiting for. Besides, you know, waiting for what you want and not what you need, but what you really want, is a luxury that only those who are really blessed can afford. The eighth thing you need to do in order to be more successful is to think about something you wish you'd done better or handled differently. Or think about something you wish you'd done but you didn't. Painful? Sure. 
Motivating? Absolutely. So use that motivation today. Call a friend you've lost touch with. Mend fences with a family member. Be the bigger person and say you're sorry. Do something you wish you had done. You're going to be very thankful that you did. Trust me. The ninth thing you need to to be more successful is to focus on time. Because you have the time and resources to do something like, for example, listening to this program means that you have time to improve yourself, to consider new ideas, to try and be a better person, to build better relationships with your family, your acquaintances, your friends. Time is your most important asset and what you should be the most thankful for. Time makes everything else possible. So stop doing all the crap that doesn't matter and spend time making your dreams a reality. So knowing how critical timing is to your business, you really have just two options. First, take a good look at your business, the uptake of your product, the dynamics of the marketplace of your consumer, and see if they're really ready for what you are offering. If not, adjust your offering to what they need right now. Second, you know, adjust your burn rate or raise more money so that it can last long enough until the market's where you want to be. So they're my tips. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show Worldwide on Voice America Business. And don't just listen to our show. There's a whole bunch of great shows across a number of channels at Voice America. So listen into some of them, run across the dial, find the ones you like. We're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you've got any question about any aspect of business, don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or we'll email you directly. Make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter sent out to over 16,000 business executives in 60 countries every month. Subscribe by simply going on to bobpritchard.com. We've had a lot of requests also about the summary of each week's radio program. We also send that out to 16,000 business executives every month. And uh, there's a new one going out tomorrow. So thank you for your exceptional feedback in the past. And I hope that you like this one. We're avid users of LinkedIn at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. So become a contact on LinkedIn or on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to keep in touch with you. I've just been appointed the Honorary President of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management. So if you're interested in joining that, and I urge you to do it, put AISMM after your name, then go to AISMM.com. Sorry, AISMM.us. I'll do that again, AISMM.us and join up. So thanks for joining us for today's show. We look forward to you joining us again next week. In the meanwhile, remember, if you're not really pushing the envelope, if you're not standing right on the edge, then you're just taking up far too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.